This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Shelley Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'll just have notes when I do it. How's that? They were making fun. They were like, Ashley said, you preach so much different than him. I was like, really? You think? (laughs) So, you know, Awaken happened. Um, It took a lot of people. God gave us the vision about eight years ago, but it takes a lot of people to pull off a retreat four hours away. So if you've served in any capacity at Awaken, I want you to stand up. All of our different teams, all the many women, and we also had a team of 13 men that went and served. Thank you so much to all of you. You made a big difference in the lives of ladies. I I really appreciate it. It's not just me. It's a lot of you. That's what we had someone, she came in, she doesn't even live here. She lives in Minnesota. And I said, tell me about what you thought. And she said, there's just a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And I said, you're right. There is. So that's really good. Um, if you want a Bible today to follow along with the scriptures, if you'll just raise your hands up, our ushers are going to have those. So today I'm going to talk, and the title of my message is, How Big Is Your Brave? Because see, our theme for Awaken was brave. And the Lord gave us that um, over a year ago, and it was for a purpose. He wants us to stand brave, to stand strong against the difficulties of life. So that's what I'm going to be speaking about today. I feel like it's a theme that the Lord wants for all of our lives. So let me pray before we start. We come to you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, open up our hearts that we can hear your words today. Father, we just ask that you would give us revelation, knowledge, God, from your word, God. Speak to our hearts, God. And give us courage, God, to stand brave and strong for you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, in life, we're all going to face challenges. Anybody had a challenge here lately? Yes? Okay, if your hand's not up, guess what? Get ready, because tomorrow, you're probably going to have a challenge. You're going to face something, because in this life, there will be difficulties. In this life. So many times we think, okay, we're going to get saved, and it's all going to go great, and then it doesn't, and then we freak out and are like, God, where are you? What happened? Why is my life seeming to fall apart? See, difficulties arise, things that we can't see over mountains. We come to these mountains and we're like, God, I can't see to that other side of that mountain. There are many difficulties on this journey of life. And sometimes we get tired. We get tired and we don't want to deal with it. Have you ever said, I'm done? I'm just done. I'm not going to do this anymore. And that's not what God wants us to do. We've got to stand up. We've got to be brave because when we get tired, you get spiritual nearsightedness. Any of y'all out there have some nearsightedness? You have glasses or contacts, you put them on and you're like, oh, now I can see what's out there. See, nearsightedness is just the opposite. I don't know who named it that, but just the opposite. You can't see far away. See, when we get tired spiritually, we can't see the good places, the good promises that God has for us out there. All we can see is what's right in front of us, and it's a big mountain. It's a big difficulty. 
and we can't see past it. But God wants to come and work in each of our situations. So I have a question for you, church. How big is your brave when difficulties come? See, the word brave means possessing or exhibiting courage or courageous endurance. We have to have courage in this life. We have to have that. We have to have that courageous, notice the word, endurance. It's not just for today. So ladies that came back from Awaken, guess what? It's endurance to go tomorrow, to go next week, next month, next year, holding on to this victory that we have. Men that go to the men of iron, don't let it just be that one-time deal, that one weekend, and then the next week you've fallen off the wagon again. Hold on to that. Be brave. Have that endurance to keep walking through those difficulties. Amen. Our theme scripture for um, Awaken, turn in your Bibles to Psalms. This is a good one to memorize. Psalms chapter 31 and verse 24. Psalm 31, verse 24. I'm going to be reading this from the message. And it says, be brave, be strong, don't give up, expect God to get here soon. So you know what? When we face those battles, how many in here have a battle today? Maybe in your health, maybe in your marriage, maybe in divorce, maybe in your singleness, maybe with those little children, maybe with those big children, maybe with those prodigal children, maybe in your finances, maybe in your family, maybe in sight of you with addictions, those demons that have seemed to, to carry you and keep you held in bondage. When we have those difficulties, it's hard for us to imagine going on, going on in, in the race that God has for us when we can't control our own self. But God has a journey for each one of us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, let's look at that scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to flip back and forth, Old Testament to New. Pastor Stormy always gives us a Bible workout, so we won't stop this Sunday either. We base everything we do on the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. So Old Testament to New, God has the word for us to be still, be watchful, stand strong, and be brave. It takes bravery to face the mountains in our life that we have to go through, those difficulties that we have to go through to get to our promised land. So flip back to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at a story that many of you know. It's the story of the children of Israel when they were set free from 400 years of slavery. So to back you up a little bit in the story, as you turn to Exodus 14, remember when Joseph, God had sent him to the land of Egypt. He got to be one of the rulers there. His brothers came because there was a famine. And then all of the Israelites ended up moving to Egypt because that was the place God was going to take care of them during the famine. Well, many years later, Joseph dies, that good Pharaoh dies, 
and other people with not so good intentions rise up. The people of Israel then become slaves. In the land that was their, their freedom, now it's become their slavery. And they are slaves for 400 years. And then you know the rest of the story. It's through a supernatural um, ways God sets them free through the plagues, through all this coming at the people. They finally are like, get out of our land. We don't want you anymore. We can't have all these plagues. And so God sets them free. If you ever read the story, I love it. I hadn't noticed this until I read it um, while I was studying for this. It said when the children of Israel were leaving the land, you know how they left? They didn't leave with their heads down saying, oh my gosh, 400 years of slavery. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It said they put their fists in the air in defiance of that slavery of their past. They put their fists in the air and looked at those people who had held them in bondage as they walked out their freedom. They were walking on their journey to the promised land. And I think Moses gave them some instructions as they go on this journey. He's leading them. He's the leader. Yes, how awesome. He leads them out of slavery. And they on their way to the promised land that God has told them about. And then something happens. They run into a great big difficulty called the Red Sea. See, what happened is when they left Egypt, they weren't gone very long. And those Egyptians turned around and said, hey, who's going to do our work for us? What, was, what were we thinking? We need to bring them back. So they got on their horses, jumped in their chariots, and that army came racing after them. So the children of Israel are marching along. The Red Sea is before them. The Egyptians come up behind them. It seems like there's no way out. No way out of this hard time. They're supposed to be going to the promised land. But all of a sudden, they have something before them. They can't turn back or they'll go back to the slavery. And so I'm sure they were crying out, God, where are you? Just like many of our lives, we give our heart to Jesus. Difficulties come. Seems like everywhere around us is difficulty. And we're like, God, where are you? So they had a choice to make. And Moses gave them some instructions here in the book of Exodus 14. And if you look up here on the screen, this is a picture we found. I mean, because of course there were no cameras back then. So this is a depiction that we thought came pretty close. Moses, look how small. The Red Sea, how large. See, I think a lot of times in our minds we think, oh yeah, well they crossed the Red Sea. They just kind of jumped over that little puddle or they tiptoed across because it was shallow. No. The Red Sea, I looked up some statistics, at its deepest point is 7,000 to 8,000 feet deep. The average depth of the Red Sea is 1,600 feet deep. Have you ever been swimming in a swimming pool and it's like the 10 foot? And you're like, oh, that's so deep. My little grandkids, they get down there and if one of the toys goes, they have to dive into the 10 feet. It's really, really deep. No, imagine 1,600 feet deep. 
The Red Sea at its widest point was 220 miles wide. It wasn't just let me walk across right now. That was a vast sea that they were facing. They couldn't see past that sea. They couldn't see the promised land on the other side. Just like many of us can't see through the difficulty to see, God, this is what you have promised for me. After this sadness in my life, after the depression that I felt, God, that's all I see. It looks too big. My mistakes of my past are too big, God. I can't see to the other side. But this is what Moses said in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Wow. Unconventional. This was probably not what they wanted to hear. See, in Moses' instructions is a promise of victory. Embedded in those instructions we just read, there's a promise of victory for them and for us. He said to them, your God will give you the victory. You're not going to have to create it yourself. You're not going to have to manipulate and try to do things yourself. See, a lot of times that's what we want to do. Okay, how can I make this work? How can I do this for my life? When God said, no, you do it my way, my ways, and they will not always make sense up here. If you're very analytical and you like to think things out and wrap your mind around things and figure it all out and make it in a neat little package, guess what? God's going to kick those doors of that box right open because he will not be put in a box. Our God is way too big. For us to be able to think through how he's going to work out every situation. We serve a big God. And let me give you a little hint. We win. In the end, we win. The people of God win. Doesn't matter what you see on the news. Doesn't matter. Because there's bad news all around. ISIS is doing this. And the economy is doing this. Sometimes it's, oh, okay, I see this, you know, my children are doing this. And it looks bad. It looks like there's no way out. But we win. So there's a promise of victory in what Moses told them. See, when you realize you're not fighting for victory, but from a place of victory, you're from victory fighting, it changes how you look at that Red Sea. We don't have to go out and manipulate it and get our swords out, get our mind and think through. We already have the victory. Fight from a place of victory. Amen? God is fighting for us. I love that song. It was like a battle cry at Awaken. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. When it feels like that darkness is coming in, you stand and you fight. And you do it from a place of victory, from the scriptures, from the victory God has for us.
not what we can do ourselves, but what our big God can do. Amen? So Moses said, now, knowing that the victory is already yours, that God is for you, he's paving this way out. He told him these four things. He told him, be fearless. He told them, be still, be watchful, and be quiet. Let's look at each one of these. The first one, be fearless. See, it would have been the natural way the human emotion in them would have been afraid. Many of us feel fear. Hello, look at that big red sea. That would have been crazy. Have you ever been to the ocean? One time we were in uh, Cabo San Lucas in Mexico, and the ocean was violent, literally. They would not let you go down on the shore. Those waves would come in and crash. Of course, someone that I know was trying to break the rules and went down there. The lifeguard was very, very unhappy because he thinks rules don't apply to him. (laughs) But it was scary. And I can imagine that Red Sea, I mean, just crashing before them. Vast, they couldn't see the end of it. And then hearing the sound of the army coming to destroy them from behind. I can imagine the fear that rose up, just like many of us, when those giants raise up their heads in our life, when those difficulties come and we can't see around them, fear tries to grip our hearts. That's the natural human emotion. That's our, what our flesh tends to do. But Moses said, do not fear. And that's what God is telling us today. Do not fear. God is with us. God is fighting for us. See, you get to decide whether you will make friends with the fear that you feel, whether you will allow it to cripple you and paralyze you and keep you from moving forward. Are you going to take fear by the hand? And let it accompany you your whole life. I will tell you, fear will keep you bound up. Fear will keep you from walking out the journey God has. It will keep you from seeing the future and the plans he has for you. See, if fear would have crippled those children of Israel, they would have never got to the other side. They had to put one foot in front of the other. And even with that fear facing them, they had to walk it out day in, day out. And that's just like our lives. We may not can see a month into the future, but you know what? We can see to put one foot in front of the other today. Holding God's hand, not the hand of fear, holding the hand of God and trusting him and his word. Let's look at Mark chapter 5. There's another story about someone in the New Testament. Probably heard teaching on this story, Mark chapter 5. There was a ruler of the, of the synagogue, so of the church then, a Jewish ruler. His name was Jairus. And Jairus's little daughter got sick, and she was close to dying. It was a very grave situation. And He came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, will you come to my house and heal my daughter? And Jesus said, yes, because of course he has a heart of compassion. So they begin on this journey and they're going. 
And then there's an interruption. They get interrupted by someone else who had a need. And so Jesus stops, sees another need with compassion. He heals the woman who had the issue of blood. And I can I could just imagine J. Iris standing by, like many of us. Let's go, Jesus. Come on. I need you right now. I need my miracle right now. Don't 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 be worrying about them. I need you. Selfishly only thinking about us and our problem and how we're being affected. Not worrying about other people. I can only imagine J. Iris. And then he got some very, very bad news. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. While he was still speaking, Jesus was speaking to this woman with the issue of blood. Some people came from the synagogue official's house saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? Can you imagine his heart must have sunk when he got that bad news? Verse 36, overhearing what was being said. See, Jesus isn't stupid. And Jesus isn't deaf. He hears and he sees. He knew what was going on. He had a plan. And this is what he said to Jairus. Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. Only keep on believing in me and my power. See, Jairus had an opportunity to have fear. I can imagine the fear that jumped up in him. <gasps> my daughter died. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Jesus didn't come through and Jesus looked at him. And he said, do not fear. Keep on believing. When those mountains rise up, sometimes they come gradually. Sometimes they come suddenly. Do not fear, church. Do not be afraid. Only Keep on believing in Jesus and his power, his word. See, fear will cripple you. Fear keeps you from moving on in your journey, putting one foot in front of the others. You get to decide whether you're going to entertain the fear, let it in. You get to decide that. See, fear comes knocking at every door, every one of our doors. It comes knocking. What happens when someone knocks on your door? You go, hope you have a pole probably, and you're looking through. Who is it? And some of us are like, okay, and we crack the door open. See, a lot of times fear comes in because we've opened the door. We've done things. We've either gotten into sin. Sometimes we're like, yeah, I'll watch that scary movie. That's not going to hurt anything. That doesn't matter. And in that little crack in the door, the devil comes and he kicks that thing right open. See, what we want to do in just a little bit, dabble just a little bit in sin, Satan will always come in and take you farther than you want to go. Don't even open the door. Close the door to fear. Do not even open the door. When it comes knocking, we have that choice. We have the choice of whether we let it in and come in and be friends with it or not. Here's a scripture you need to memorize. Second Timothy. Told the ladies at the retreat, there's some scriptures you need to teach your children. 
If you're a mom or a dad in here, you have a responsibility to teach your children the word of God. And this is one of those scriptures that they need to get in their heart. They need to have memorized as well as us. Second Timothy chapter one. And verse seven. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. So when fear comes, you speak that over yourself. You teach it to your kids so that when they're little, see, it's little things, you know, when they're little, when they're four and five and six, it's like, mama, I'm, I'm afraid the boogeyman's under my bed. And you teach them the scriptures so that when they're 16 and 17 and 18, when it's the real things of life, when they're afraid someone's going to rape them, and they're afraid that something else bad is going to happen to them. You teach them the word of God so that they have that. So that you have it in your heart. When, the fear, when situations arise and that fear tries to overwhelm you and overtake you, you say, God has not given me a spirit of fear. I have this spirit of power, love, and I have a sound mind. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be confused in my mind because of fear. That's what God wants to do. See, when you feel fear rising, don't entertain it in your mind. Don't engage it. That's so many times. The devil wants us to take it, and then we start thinking all the possibilities of the fear. Do not entertain it. Do not engage it. But instead, exchange it for an opportunity to pray. See, when that fear comes, that's a signal. Pray. The Bible says, Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When fear tries to rise up, you need to have some scriptures that you start praying out. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I thank you, Father. You're always with me. You never leave me. You never forsake me, God. Don't entertain fear. Don't engage it. Exchange it for an opportunity to pray. And keep putting one foot in front of the other to walk out this journey. To not be afraid. Number two. Second thing Moses said was be still. Think about this with the children of Israel. What kind of advice do you think they thought that was for Moses? If I was them. Again, I'm kind of a doer. I'm kind of a thinker. Okay, let's have a plan. If somebody doesn't make a decision. Okay, then I'll make it for them. And can you imagine them standing there and Moses tells them. You know, just be still. What? what? Be still? No, we got to do something. Let's, you know, grab some wood and make a raft real fast to go across the sea. Let's get some weapons and try to defend ourselves. And Moses says, no, be still. And that's what God is telling each one of us. So many times we want to fight the battle ourselves. We want to do stuff. Because we don't feel God's working fast enough on our timetable. And the Lord is saying, be still. Let's look at some scriptures here. Psalm chapter 37. Psalm 37. We're going to look at two scriptures in the book of Psalms. See, when we're standing, we think that's passive. Well, that's not doing anything, God. But standing is not passive. When you have to stand and plant your feet, it takes effort. Now, what doesn't take effort when you're passive is going and laying down on your couch, climbing in your bed, pulling the covers over, 
closing the curtains and letting that darkness just envelop you and giving up. That's passive. When you stand still, when you plant your feet, that's not passive at all. Psalm chapter 37 and verse 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Hmm. Wait patiently. Don't try to manipulate. Don't try to do it yourself. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Because that's what the devil wants us to do is look at everybody else's life and say, well, look what's happening for them. They don't even serve God. And look at their kids. Look at them. They seem to have money. And I don't have much money. God, what are you doing? No, wait patiently for God to act. Be still. Keep your mind still. Focused on the promises of God. Psalm chapter 46. Few, few chapters over. Psalm 46. And verse 10. Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God and I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. There's the promise. God wins. Therefore, we win. Doesn't matter what it looks like now. Doesn't matter who's trying to take over what country. Doesn't matter who's in the presidency here. Doesn't matter. God said, I will be honored. We are to be still. We are to wait patiently for him to act. See, Moses told the children of Israel to plant their feet firmly on that soil. And the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, if you want to win this battle, if you want to win the difficulties that are facing you, stand up and firmly plant your feet on the promises of God for your situation. That's where we, we plant ourselves. Not on our own strength, our own thoughts, our own abilities, but on the promises of God. You call your mind, your body, your will, your emotions, everything to stand still and think about God. Think about his promises. So church, I have a question for you. How big is your brave? Third thing Moses said was be watchful. He said, open your eyes and see the salvation of the Lord. See it. He didn't say go hide, go close the blinds in depression, go turn on a movie, go fall asleep. No, he said, open your eyes and see the salvation of the Lord. God wanted them to see what he was doing. He wanted them to see the miracle that was in front of them. If we close our eyes, we miss what God's doing. We close our eyes, we, li- we miss out on the small little things. See, it's not always just the great big thing out there. Almost always, it's a step-by-step process in our lives. Yeah, it's great when we get set free, when things happen like that. But then, do we keep our faith that way? Do we learn to walk it out in faith? You learn to walk out in faith when it's step-by-step. This little miracle... Yeah, God, I trust you in this. Then you take one more step. Okay, God, I'm good here. You take another step. God, I'm good here. 
And before you know it, you look back and you're like, wow, God has done so much in my life. I love to look out and see the miracles of the lives here in our church. You know, when I, there's different times. I'm like, how long have you been coming to the church? Because again, there's a lot of y'all and I can't keep everybody's, you know, when they started coming. They'll be like, I've been here seven years. I've been here 15 years. When we did our our 15-year anniversary, I was like, wow. Because when we look back, we see all those little miracles along the way. Yeah, we're not where we're going to be. We're not all the way to the promised land yet. But wow, look how far we've come. Keep your eyes open. See those little miracles. Praise him for that. Thank him for all that he's doing today. And trust that, you know what? Tomorrow, he's going to do the same thing. Right? Amen. Because our God is faithful. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 4. The book of Colossians chapter 4. So it goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So the epistles of Paul. Colossians chapter 4. And verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Watchful and thankful. There's something in that. You watch. So we're praying. We're believing, God. You're getting us through to the promised land. You're getting us to see past these difficulties, whatever our Red Sea is in our life. And we're watching for all the little miracles he's doing. And we're thankful along the way. Thankfulness does a lot in our lives. It gets our eyes off of ourselves and onto our big God. So you know what? When praise and worship is happening, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I can worship God because I know he's working. It doesn't matter what I see in the natural, what I see on Facebook that my adult children are doing, what I see in my checkbook. It doesn't matter because I'm going to be watchful. And I'm going to be thankful for what all God's doing. Amen. We can lift our hands and we can praise him for all that he's doing. Open your eyes and see. See the miracles. And I love the story when they were walking through the Red Sea. It said that the wind blew all night. And then all of a sudden in the darkest of the night. That sea began to form walls, I guess. You, it's hard for us to even imagine. I went back and watched the, uh, tried to find the video clip of, and it was the 1956 Ten Commandments, you know, with Charlton Heston. It's actually quite comical now to see the acting, but it took them 18 months to figure out how to simulate the Red Sea opening because it was like walls of water. Walls of water and a dry land. That doesn't happen. How was it dry for them to walk across? What a miracle. And I can only imagine them grabbing the hands of their little children. Those older people walking across and saying, look what God has done. Look what God has done. Look at the miracles. And those little children's eyes. Looking all around those walls of water. God is so faithful and he wants to work not just in our life, 
but in the lives of our children, in the lives of our, our, the generations before us. I love that this morning, seeing the generations down here worshiping. See, we have the power to influence the generations after us when they see us standing brave and strong and praising God for the small things while waiting for the big things to happen. People are watching you. You may not have children at home, but guess what? There's teenagers around. There's people you work with. There's people all around and they're watching our lives. How are they going to react when it still doesn't seem like that big prayer that you want answered has come to pass? Are they going to see you being thankful? Are they going to see you praising God for those little small steps? Being thankful to him and trusting that he is working. See, don't close your eyes waiting for God to do something big. Open your eyes right now and see what God is already doing in your lives. He is working. Love the scripture. He is working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's a good one. I prayed that over my husband, prayed it over myself for many, many years. God is working within me to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working, but are we watching? Do we see it? Are we thanking him? Then the fourth thing Moses said was, be quiet. That's really difficult for some people. Any chatty Cathy's out there? Anybody that this thing right here ever gets you in trouble? Our mouth, that the pastor just finished a series. If you weren't here, you should go back and listen on the podcast. Just finished a series on our words. Words can do so much. And we have to discipline our mouth to not speak neg- negatively. Did you notice that? Discipline. And nobody else can do it for us but us. See, it's easy to just pop off, to say whatever we want, to let cuss words just fly. Man, that makes me mad. And why'd they do that? I mean, it seems like wherever you go, you're going to get tested. Why don't we just get ready for that? You can walk into Whataburger and the person behind the counter can have an attitude. You can go to Starbucks and they're like, no, we don't have white chocolate mocha today. That happened on the way back yesterday in my favorite town of Roswell. I mean, we're going to be tested. And yeah, it's easy to just use our mouth to wound people, to speak negatively. Anybody can do that. But God has called us to keep this thing under control, to only speak out positive to speak out his word what'd your mama say when you were growing up if you don't have something good to say hmm maybe a piece of tape would help sometimes our little kids come out from (laughs) from their classes and they'll put their name tag over their mouth and it's like, did your teacher do that? Because hey, you were talking too much? <laughs> Pastor Jordan got tired of you? No. But maybe some of us should grab that and put it over our mouth. Put a guard over our mouth. 
so we don't speak negatively. Philippians chapter 2, this is another one of those life verses. If you were in Colossians, just go back one book. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, teach your kids this, teach your employees this, and hide it in your own heart. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Boy, we'd be in good shape if we followed those two directions. Without complaining. I can imagine uh, the, the Israelites complaining, Moses, come on, what is wrong with you? Get a plan. Are you stupid? Come on, we need to do something. And so many times we're treating God like that. God, come on. Don't you see where I'm at? Don't you see I'm suffering here? As if Jesus didn't suffer. The ultimate death for us. He knows what we go through. He knows what we suffer. If we'll just keep our mouths quiet. Don't complain. See, God is watching over his word to perform it. It's his word. He will perform it. So why do we give the devil something to work with with our mouths when we could give God something to work with with our lives? That's what he wants. He wants to work in our lives, to work in our hearts. So let's give him something to work with. See, we've got to speak the word over our Red Sea. You find scriptures that go with to go along and that you can pray over your situation. Have you ever used the concordance in the back of your Bible? Almost every Bible has one. Because if you're like me, I can't remember where every single scripture is located at. And so you can go to the back of that Bible and you can look up, oh, fear. And it'll tell you where all those scriptures are. But my favorite way is if you have a smartphone or a computer... You can go on to a thing called BibleGateway.com. I love it. You type in fear. Not only does it bring up all the scriptures, you can look up. Do I want to know the scriptures about fear that are in the Old Testament or the New Testament? You say, well, I remember a little bit of this scripture, what it says. It says somewhere in there to be brave. What was that scripture? You can type that in. See, it's so easy but we are so lazy most of the time. We want pastor to come up and, and we want to say, okay, wave your magic prayer wand over me so I can change. We want pastor, pastor, you come in here and pray all those hours during the week so I can show up late on Sunday morning and walk in and not be involved anywhere and you pray over me and you make it happen. No, we've got to get in the word of God for ourselves. Amen. Yes, there's power. Our pastor prays and thank God, but we have a responsibility. We've got to get in the word and find the promises. I love this. Many of us are looking for a voice instead of a verse. Stop looking for a voice for someone else. What do you think I should do? You call your sister. You call your mom. You look on Facebook. Well, what, what kind of test is there I can ta take on Facebook? 
that'll help me with this situation. Not one, not one. But you find a verse, find the promise of God and you stand on it. See, if we would just believe and be confident that what God said is true, that he meant exactly what he said, we would save ourselves so much stress and time and energy, but we've got to believe it. It's our job to believe that what he said is true. Then we could just stand when our Red Sea is in front of us, when our difficulty is there and it seems like nothing is changing, when we're standing on the promises of God, when we're not letting fear come in and take over, when we're keeping our eyes open and we're praising him for all those little miracles along the way and we're keeping our mouth quiet God's moving the mountain's going to be moved and we will get to our promised land amen thank you for listening today for more information please visit faithchurchlubbock.com